Well, good morning, church. I was trying to uh, listen to what was going on over there at the same time. I didn't have a, a bulletin, what have you, but uh, be as it may, I'm here this morning. And um, as I was talking with, uh, can you hear me? As I was talking with Brother David, he had mentioned to me, uh, make sure that I uh, give you guys heaven. And I had told him that I was preaching from the book of uh, Jonah. And I know that uh, what I'm preaching from, God is declaring judgment upon Nineveh. Uh, but also I do find the grace of God in that book as well. So with that said, uh, will you bow with me as we pray before our incomprehensible but prayer-hearing God? Father God, we come this morning just to say thank you. And Lord, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your peace. And Father God, your word says that the grass wither and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Amen. And Lord, we strongly believe that here at Haven Baptist. And Father God, we thank you for the scripture, and we thank you especially, Lord, for the book of Jonah and what it teaches us. For Lord, we know that it teaches us about sin, how you allowed Jonah to go down, down, and down. And also, Lord, uh, we know that the book of Jonah also teaches us about uh, your providence. And, Lord, we know that you can prevent us from doing things that we should not be doing. But we see, Lord, in this particular book that you allow Jonah to do what he wants to do. And, Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that we are able to see that the book of Jonah also, Lord, teaches us about the beauty of prayer. And, Lord, we see that over in the book of Jonah that the Pray, the uh, pagans, Lord, they had a prayer meeting to pray to their God to calm the storm, but Lord, we saw nothing happen, and then they encouraged Jonah to pray. And Lord, when Jonah did pray, we saw, Lord, that you answer the prayer of a rebellious sinner. And we just thank you this morning, Lord, for what prayer can do for us. And also, Lord, I pray this morning that we're able to see uh, the grace of God uh, in the book of Jonah, in terms of uh, Jonah praying and crying out to you and you saving him, and what grace that he received from you. And also, Lord, we can see, receive that same uh, uh, grace. And Lord God, uh, make us ready this morning to learn what Jonah learned about sin and about the providence of God and about prayer and about your grace. And Lord, uh, we know that all your promises to us are yes and amen. So, Lord, we want our response to you to be yes as well. So right now, Lord, we just ask you to uh, bless us, Lord. And, Lord, uh, we ask you also 
to bless us, Lord, in such a way that what we might hear today, uh, that you might write it upon our heart. And, Lord, we have asked these things in no other name than your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And as I said, I'm going to uh, preach, uh, you know, from uh, the book of uh, Jonah. And uh, we're going to see uh, how disobedience and revival are the key themes in this particular book. And we also will see that his initial, Jonah's initial uh, disobedience led not only to his personal revival, uh, but also it led to the revival of the Ninevites. And this revival in Nineveh is one of the greatest evangelistic efforts of all time. And as you know that Jonah's fear and pride caused him to run from God. Uh, he does not wish to go to Nineveh to preach repentance to the Assyrian people as God has commanded him because he know the Assyrians are God's enemies. The Assyrians are an enemy to the nation of Israel. Instead, Jonah headed to Tarsha which is south of Jerusalem in a ship, which is in the opposite direction of Nineveh, which is in the northern part. And as you are aware, soon a raging storm caused the crew to cast lots to determine that Jonah is the problem. And they threw him overboard, and he is swallowed by a great fish. And you also know that Jonah remained three days and three nights in the belly of that fish. And as you are aware also, Jonah represent, uh, as you are aware, Jonah did repent of his sin to God. And the fish vomited him up on dry land. And, and you might wonder why it took Jonah three days to uh, repent. And as you are aware that Jonah is a type of Christ. And it is clear from Jesus' own word in the New Testament in the book of Matthew that Jesus declared that he will be in the grave the same amount of time Jonah was in the fish belly. And Jesus is a prophet far greater than Jonah. Uh, just as Jonah brought the truth of God regarding repentance and salvation to the Ninevites, Jesus brings the same message of salvation through God alone. Amen. Which that book clearly declares that salvation belongs to the Lord. In fact, about it, that is the great banner of that particular book. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And what I have just said, it gives us a preview of the first two chapters of the book of Jonah. And that brings us to chapter 3, the chapter that I want to focus on with you today. So, will you please stand with me as I read chapter 3. Uh, hear the word of God as recorded in Jonah chapter 3. And I'm reading from uh, the ESV version. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, 
arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breath. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to the Lord. And everyone turn from their evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Who knows, God might turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Uh, You may be seated. So what I would like to do is to go ahead and kind of jump into some exegetical interpretation of what you just kind of heard from uh, the book of Jonah chapter 3. And look at with me at verse 1 and 2. And verse 1 and 2 read as such. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. And what I want you to see in this particular book is some very, very strange things that's going to happen. In fact about it, you can almost say that there are some very, very unlikely things that's going on in the book of Jonah chapter 3. In, that, in those two verses, 1 and 2, Jonah is acting like a very, very strange prophet. And you know that prophets represent God before the people. A prophet is one that gets a message from God and he go and proclaim it to the people. But, but we see here that we have a disobedient prophet. We have a prophet that I call a runaway prophet. And in fact about it, he and God does not see eye to eye in terms of what God wants done. So Jonah decides to do what he wants to do. So since Jonah and God do not see eye to eye on what God wants, Jonah go another way and close his eyes 
to the eyes of what God wants. In fact about it, he even closed his mouth to what God wants, that he won't even go and speak what it is that God wants the Ninevites to hear. So we see in verse 1, Jonah gets a second chance. Because it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. In fact, about it, if you go and read in chapter 1, you'll see where Jonah was called initially. So here, he has been called the second time. And we see in this second encounter, Jonah's desire to respond to God. Because he have had his encounter with God in terms of his experience in the belly of the fish. And God showed him grace. In fact, about it, you might be even wondering if God were punishing Jonah at the same time showing Jonah grace and mercy. And by and large, he was doing both because that's what it took to get Jonah's attention. So we see this second chance. So in other words, we serve a God who gives us second chance. And over and over in the Bible, you have seen that happen. In fact, about it, God gave Jacob, you know, a second chance. And you know the kind of person that Jacob was. In fact, about it, if you recall, he gave Peter, you know, a second chance. And I stand before you this morning and say that he has given me many, many, many second chances. So we do serve a God who gives us second chance. Amen. In fact, about it, he made reservation for our second chance over there in 1 John 1, 9. You know, we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So we just praise God this morning that we have a God who gives us second chance. And then if you kind of notice in the end of verse 2 and 4, I want you to look with me at at the end of verse 2 and verse 4. And in verse 4, it says, And called out against it the message that I tell you. And Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, if you recall in chapter 1, he just told Jonah to go and cry out to Nineveh. And you notice here, in this particular verse, he says, the end of verse 2, and call out against it the message that I give you. (laughs) So realizing that Jonah is a very disobedient prophet, even though he's willing to obey God, God has given him specific instruction to do. This time, where earlier he kind of left it open for Jonah to go and just cry out to Nineveh. Go and cry out a message of judgment 
to Nineveh. But now he gives Jonah his sermon. And you see why I say that? Jonah is a strange prophet. In fact, about it, this is a very, very strange what? Sermon that he has given Jonah as well. So, so that's what I want you to keep in mind as we traverse through the book of Jonah. Just how strange some things are showing up here. We have a very, very strange prophet who is being disobedient. And now we have a very, very, very strange sermon given to this prophet by God. And this sermon is only eight or nine words, depending upon how you look at overthrown. If you break overthrown up, it's a sermon of nine words, but it's academic. The sermon says this, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's the sermon. No more, no less. So, men that stand and proclaim the word of God are not entitled to change the sermon. They're not entitled to change God's message. The message that God gives in his word must be proclaimed just as God says. No more, no less. So, Jonah... I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to tell them exactly what I have told you to say. So Jonah is called to go and be a preacher. He's not only a prophet, but now he has the obligation and responsibility to be a preacher and go and preach the unadulterated word of God. Amen. Only what I have told you. He is given the words to say. And the other thing to say about Jonah preaching ministry was that he preached the bad news and the good news. And I think that's what David was telling me is, Brother Morris preached the good news this morning. But like I say, the Bible consists of both. The bad news is us, and the good news is none other than Jesus Christ. So now look again with me at the summary again in verse 4. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. But this word overthrown has two meanings. It can mean a turning upside down, an inversion, or an about face, or it can even mean a change of heart. And even though repentance is not even mentioned, I, I shouldn't say that because I, I read the King James and the King James does have that word in there, repentance. And some of your uh, 
some of your titles or some of your texts or some of your peripheries, as a friend of mine would say, might have the word repent in there. But I know the King James has repent in there. And, and, and it's going to cause some kind of problem in some aspects because it might appear that God is changing his mind, but we know that God is immutable, so God does not change. So we got to figure out who does change. And we're going to see how clear it really is in terms of what has happened in this particular chapter. Now, look at verse 3 with me. I'm kind of backing up. I had you look at verse 2 and 4 together. Now I want to go back and pick up verse 3. And verse 3 reads as such. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Now it's really interesting that it says an exceedingly great city. And I looked up the Hebrew for that, great city, and this is what it meant. A great city of God. The, the, the phrase, a great city, in Hebrew, translates to a great city of God. This city belongs to who? God. Belongs to God. And, and God loved this city, even though this is a very, very wicked city. And Jonah does not want to go and preach the word of God to them because Jonah wants them to do what? Die. He wants them to perish. For the simple reason is they are Israel's enemy. And how the Hebrews thought back in those days, they thought as though that God was their God only and no one else. So they didn't share their God with any outsiders, just the Jews themselves. But God is showing Jonah here that he has sheep of another pastor as well. And it's these Ninevites. So go and preach to them. In fact about it, out of all the prophets that God called, All of them, with the exception of two, preached within Israel. Two preached outside of Israel. And Jonah is one of them. And Nahum is the other one. So you really see here, this is a very strange situation even for Jonah. Because he's aware that in most cases, God only called prophets to go and take the message to the Jews and no one else. So Jonah is called to go and preach. Remember that word, strange. So now Jonah is going to preach to a strange city and a strange group of people. That's why I was kind of looking at this in terms of this whole book of Jonah is very, very strange. So now God has called Jonah to go and preach the word of God to a strange city outside of the nation of Israel and a strange group of people, heathens, Gentiles. 
In fact, about it, they are the worst enemy of Israel. In fact, about it, the Assyrians have already taken Jerusalem into captivity. And then a few years later, this is what's happening right now in the book of Jonah, that they're getting ready to take Judah into captivity because Jonah was a prophet to Judah. So Jonah does not want to go there because he feels they are his enemy, which we know they are. And he is convinced that God will carry out, God will not carry out his threat to destroy the city because he knows that God is a gracious God, a compassionate God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So God is not going to do this. So that's another reason that he don't want to go, not only because of Israel being under siege by the Assyrian And we know that this particular city, they worship false god, which is a horrible crime against the creator. And as I had said earlier, they were sworn enemies of God, people, and they were very, very savage and very, very cruel. There were some wicked, sick people in this city. In fact, about it, if you go back and read in chapter 1, it says somewhere there that their evil had come up before God. And this sounds just like back in the book of Genesis, dealing with Noah. The evil has come up before God. And God has tolerated this for hundreds and hundreds of years, being patient and waiting for these Ninevites to change their behavior. In fact about it, at times, the Ninevites will skin, would take off the skin of their enemies alive. And they would hang them on the city wall as a warning, as a deterrent to to anyone that perhaps wanted to overthrow the Assyrian government. And as I said, these people were very, very wicked. Now look with me at verses 5 through 8. And 5 through 8 read as such. And the people of Nineveh believed God. Now listen to that. They believe God. Now, now think about that. These people believe God. And they call for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes, verse 7. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his noble, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. 
Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Now, this is the king describing his people. And as that verse started out, verse 5, and it said, and they believed God. Now, now just think about that. And now you got to just think about that in terms of this. Under what condition did they believe God? All Jonah had to do is what? Is to go to, Nineveh, go to Nineveh and proclaim the word of God. Just release the word of God. When you release the word of God, it's going to do what it's supposed to do because Isaiah say the word of God will not return what? You see? So, so that's all Jonah had to do. It's just go there, release the word of God, and now who has to step in and do what needs to be done now? God himself. See, because we talked about it in the Sunday school class. Ezekiel released the word of God to these dry bones, but Ezekiel told them that who would put life on these dry bones? God would put life on these dry bones. So you see right here, Jonah, go and release the word of God, and when you release the word of God, I'm going to release my spirit on these words, and these people will believe. Common grace. Think about this here. God was already working in Nineveh way before Jonah got there. God is always at work. Already have entered into the hearts and minds of those people, wicked peoples, and the minute they heard the word of God, they believed. I heard the word of God for 25 or 30 years and didn't believe it. And not the idea that I was just so arrogant in, 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 in whatever the case may be, but <laughs> sitting up in church thinking I'm saved just because I'm in church. I'm talking about just, they just heard it and they believed. So the, the people up there believe God. So Jonah came preaching, but in that preaching, God was talking. Yes, that's important. In that preaching, God was talking. In, in Ezekiel preaching, God was talking. Because as I learned this morning, that noise in the book of Ezekiel was the noise of the voice of who? Oh, man. <laughs> so God was, re was rebuking their sin. God was dealing with their heart. That's true preaching. True preaching is when God is talking. They did not believe Jonah. They believe who? They believe God. They didn't believe Jonah. 
yet in 40 days, this city will be overthrown. That's all Jonah did. And, and returned back to Judah. <laughs> well, we know he didn't because chapter 4 says that he sat outside waiting for God to do what? To destroy them. And see how he was thinking still, Jonah was thinking this. That to go there and say what God told him to say was a prediction. But God was sending Jonah to Nineveh to warn them. It's a big difference. And and that's why he went and set up shop outside of of Nineveh waiting for Nineveh to, to be destroyed. Because his perception of what's supposed to happen. But we know that didn't happen. So they heard Jonah preaching and they believed God. So as Jonah delivered the message, God himself spoke into those people's heart. Those people had changed. And they had a change of heart, they had a change of mind, and they had a change of action which was a very, very vile city. And we call that a miracle. That's a miracle. Amen. Nobody's hand was in that but God. And let me just kind of pause and just kind of say something in terms of, you know, of preaching. And you guys know how I encourage, you know, my Sunday school class, I shouldn't say I encourage God's Sunday school class that I'm human and I can make errors and I can speak one thing or think of one thing and say something else. You know, so, uh, you know, when I say something that is, sounds uh, heretical, you know, uh, you kind of weigh it in terms of is this a doctrinal thing that I'm saying or not? In most cases, the doctrinal things uh, I'm not going to go overboard on them. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of important, and kind of excuse my my language in terms of uh, what I'm going to say. But but I tell them when you hear me teaching or you hear me preaching, you know, make sure that you eat the meat and spit out the bones. That's that's very very important, and that's how I have learned how to listen to the word of God. I can listen to anyone preach. I, I can listen to a false preacher preach, even though I don't, because I'm going to eat the what? I'm eat the meat. I, I'm not going to eat their bone. So the point that I'm going to make in terms of just preaching in general is, anytime you hear God's word preach, you are hearing God himself. Anytime you hear God's word preach, you are hearing God himself. So, as far as the preacher says what God says, God says it. Which makes the preaching of the word of God the most important thing you will hear. God himself is speaking to you in the ministry of his word. 
It was God who was speaking in the preaching of Jonah. That is what we need most. The voice of God speaking in Holy Scripture, showing us Jesus, the only Savior of sinners. That's what we need to pray each Lord day. Give us the pure, unadulterated word of God and then plead with heaven that it might be attended with the blessing and the presence of the spirit of Jesus Christ. And look with me at verse 9. We're coming to the end of here. Now remember, strange things is in this particular book and specifically in this particular chapter. You know, we have seen a very, very strange prophet, and we have seen a prophet given a very, very strange sermon. And also, we've seen a prophet who has been dictated to, I hate to say that, God is no, but to go and speak to some strange people in a strange city. And now, what we're going to see is this right here is, I just have to ask the Lord to forgive me. A strange God. I almost want to ask someone to give me a synonym for strange so I can use something else. But we don't have a strange God, but for the sake of this conversation, let me just say, since we are talking strange things in this particular chapter, we're going to see something about a very strange God. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, his ways are higher than our ways. And I think that's what we're going to see in the end here, based on all the strange things that we have seen go on in this particular chapter, we're going to see a God who weighs are much higher than Jonah weighs, whose thoughts are much higher in terms about people than Jonah thought. So verse 9. Listen to what the king said. The king of Nineveh said this. Who knows? God may turn and relent. And then he's going to say, and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Now that's what the king of Nineveh said after he had declared this fast and all of this good stuff. In fact about it, this was something very, very radical that the king did in terms of verse 5 and 8. Now I just thought about it because he not only had the people to fast, he also had all the animals and everything else to fast. No one eat or drink anything. So these people were very, very serious about this message that they had received from Jonah. So, so this here was just something very, very radical. In fact about it, I, I think about Noah. Noah preached for how many years? 120 years. 
And how many that he got in the ark? Jonah went to Nineveh and preached the word of God. And what happened? The whole city. <laughs> one, one sermon. And he was there only three days. And look what happened. And Noah preached 120 years. Wow. Hmm. Now notice what the king of Nineveh said in verse 9. And this is very, very important because he is identifying the characteristic of his own God. What he is saying, he is saying how their God responds to them. Listen. He, he listened to what he said. He said, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger. He describing his God, their idols. This is what he expected of their gods. And he expected the Hebrew God to do the same thing that their God does. But we know we don't have a God that way. And so I like the way the brother Help me out in terms of God's ways are higher than our ways and God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts because we see how Jonah is thinking about these people there in Nineveh. He is thinking they're not worth the Hebrew God. So, as I said, what this king is describing is his own God characteristic because the idol gods are given to sudden and unaccountable changes of mood and behavior. That's how their God acted. They were very, very unchangeable. They were very, very uncountable. And they had mood swings and all kinds of behaviors because many of their gods were God of nature. They worship the sun. They worship this. They worship etc. etc. So they serve very unpredictable gods. So now they are thinking that this Hebrew God acts and conducts himself the way their idol God does. Now here we come to these our highway and high thought God, verse 10. The final verse, verse 10. And it says this, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. You see what happened? He, he, the king said, who knows? Who knows he may relent? Who knows? Because he's looking at the Hebrew God the way their God act and conduct themselves. But we know the kind of God that we serve. So the Hebrew God is nothing like the idol gods. So you really kind of see even, let me just say, say this here. Do you remember back in chapter 1 
Jonah went down in the boat to sleep. And he goes down in the boat to sleep to forget his problems. And you remember Jesus got in the boat with the disciples in the back and he slept. You see, you see what's going on here? Jonah sleep to forget his problem. Jesus sleep to be restored that he may be refreshed to do the father work the next day. Jonah is thrown into the water to calm the what? Storm. Jesus in the boat and he does what? Speak to the storm to calm it. So you can see the type. Jonah is a type of Christ. Jonah was sent to Nineveh to speak to wicked people and Jonah did what? He ran and went the other way. Jesus was sent from heaven to earth to save wicked people, and Jesus went to the what? You, you see how this thing points us to Jesus Christ. You see how Jonah, the book of Jonah, points us to Jesus Christ. So... So the end of uh, the book of Jonah over there in chapter 4, verse 2, which you probably don't have that verse, but don't, don't turn over there. And Jonah says this right here, the end of uh, verse 2, chapter 4. He says, For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Once again, for God to relent means our God is a changeless, but out of his abundant compassion, his mercy, he is a forgiving God. And you think about this right here. Of all the sins that this city had done over hundreds of years, this three-day journey that Jonah made in Nineveh, they heard the word of God. And they believed God, and right on the spot, God forgave them of all their sins. So you ask yourself, how in the world can God do something like that and be a God of justice? He can do that because God knew at some point in time he was going to send his son, Jesus Christ, to pay for all those sins. That's why he could do that, forgive all of those people their sin right on the spot over that long haul, hundreds of, it had to be hundreds of years. You know, so a practical application, and then I close, we cannot hide from God. What God wished to accomplish through us will come to pass, despite all our objection and foot dragging. God has plans for us, 
and we'll see it that we be conformed to his plan. How much easier it would be if we, unlike Jonah, will submit to him without delay. And in closing, I want to say this one thing that I've intended to say, and I got sidetracked. If you go back into chapter 1, you'll notice Jonah was being disobedient to God. And on that ship, those mariners, those sailors, had a prayer meeting, what I call a pagan prayer meeting. And they got no results. So they asked Jonah to pray, and Jonah God heard them. They do this lot, the lot phone on Jonah. They throw Jonah overboard, and the sea is calm. And what happened with those mariners? They got what? Saved. Even Jonah, being a sinner, disobedient, his life impacted those heathen. And I thought that was really interesting when I really saw that. So let us pray. Father God, we come just to say thank you again. And Father, I just ask you to turn our eyes towards Jesus so that we might behold the beauty and the great cost and horror for the mercy we have received. Help us, O oh Lord, to live in a disposition of humility because we have been forgiven of much because we are Ninevites in heart. Have mercy on us and restore us and renew us and give us the grace of repentance. Help us, O oh God, to flee the greater th than Jonah. Help us to flee to the greater one than Jonah, which is none other than Jesus Christ, that he may know us and cleanse us with his marvelous grace and his marvelous love. And we have asked this in no other name but Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. And all God people say, Amen.